professional friends. Welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shireen. And it is the end of April. It's the last week of April. Um, By the time this episode drops, it will be heading out of April and into May, heading further into that spring-summer start of the season. Be gone, vile winter. Hooray. Yeah, no, we hate you. Get lost. (laughs) At least the day that we're recording this, it's nice out. So that's that's good. Um, And actually, yeah, you know what? By the time this drops, we're even going to be getting more adaptations coming out because I'm pretty sure that by the time this episode comes out um the I think first ever for some reason film adaptation of Judy Bloom's Are You There God It's Me Margaret is going to be out which I was like wow no one's ever made this before I was gonna say have they made any Judy Bloom I don't know I don't know and it's just like it's just one of those books that like if you grew up in the 80s and 90s and you didn't read Judy Bloom like who were you Mm. yeah crazy yeah I was never a huge fan personally but yeah I they were fun enough you know growing up but we also like I guess we didn't have as much like they weren't shoved at us as much I think in the states you get a lot of yeah I think so a lot of Judy Bloom but yeah when I saw that was happening I was like wow I kind of want to see it I'm kind of yeah, curious I mean, to see what like they're gonna nostalgia. do. It's gonna be fun. We can go to our local cheap movie theater. And oh, go we see can it or do. Something. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do that, and then we'll like record a bonus Let's episode about it. it or something. Yeah. That sounds fun. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's not what we're here for. We're here for the end <laughs> of Canadian Literature Month, everybody. We're closing out every all of our coverage on Canadian Literature Month um, since it's the end of April, and we thought that what we would do this week to kind of close things out is that since we're speaking about Canadian literature, I think that at this point you can't really speak about Canadian literature and really not get into indigenous literature in Canada. Mm -hmm. You know, what it is, what it means and how important it is to the scope of the world of reading in Canada, like what that really means now. Yeah. And And I think, like, in the spirit of truth and reconciliation, it's so important as Canadians for us to read, um, hear these voices, and to acknowledge the nations within within one nation this whole yeah this whole nation Um, and to to choose you know I think it's important to take the choice to make that choice to educate yourself about about issues um of the first nations and indigenous peoples of Canada in Mm -hmm. our case but obviously of the world over of course Mm -hmm. it's important as well so we thought that what we would do this week um is kind of have a talk about sort of our top five choices of Canadian indigenous books that we think that everybody should, you know, take the time to pick up and read really. Yep. And, uh, you know, we'll just preface by saying that uh, just a little bit of uh, educational nuggets here for you. Um, the term indigenous in Canada is applied to, uh, what we would call status Indians, Métis, Inuit and yeah. non-status Indians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do use the term indigenous in Canada uh, as like a, an umbrella term for all these different peoples. Yeah. Um, and it's important to note that words such as Aboriginal are no longer used. Um, Indian is no longer used. No. However, uh, it does have legal connotations yeah. because of the Indian Act that exists uh you know uh, in Canada in so Canada, the government yeah. has the Indian Act they have not yet changed the wording mm-hmm. um and uh indigenous peoples they have uh if they are status 
again, status Indians. Mm -hmm. They have a card, an ID card that is the, um, you know, status Indian card. Yes. So the only reason why the word Indian should be used now when referring to indigenous or first nations peoples is really, uh, from a legal perspective perspective. in order to separate those different sort of different peoples from different backgrounds. Right. Yeah. Um, However, otherwise do not be using that terminology. No. No. I just did my taxes and on, I'm going to call you out TurboTax. It was written all over Indian, Indian, Indian. Oh, you're kidding. I swear I had to stand up and just like stop looking at it because it was like, like, are you Indian? Do you have Indian people living in your house? Like, I just, I couldn't believe the question. Oh um, it's just like, it's not on, you know? Wow. So I'm calling out TurboTax here. Like, y'all really have to do better. Yeah, God, TurboTax, like, pay attention to your yeah. shit and update it. What's wrong with you guys? Seriously. Like, we're at this point. It's 2023. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, Shireen's just given us, like, a full, <laughs> proper, um, you know, lesson in sort of, like, comportment and how to go about speaking about mm-hmm. Indigenous yeah. peoples. But, like, she shouldn't have to but it's but it is a thing it is a thing that does need to be you know done on a regular basis yeah and if you want to get involved or not involved but just uh learn more uh june so uh may there is red dress day coming up yes that's true um may 11th is um the moose hide campaign Mm -hmm. day um so the moose hide campaign is um a company that uh, creates pins that you can order for free, uh, whether you want moose hide or, or non-animal uh, hide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can order them in batches of 25. They encourage you to order a lot so that you can hand them out. Okay. And the intent is that you wear your pin and you start conversations about the missing and murdered indigenous girls and, and women. two uh, women and two spirited people yes. in Canada, which is a big topic, and it's a big issue, unfortunately, big which issue. continues to this day. If you ever um, go down a true crime rabbit hole of something like the Highway of Tears, yes. um, unfortunately, that's kind of where you get into a lot of that. However, that will give you a ton of information as to what has happened and continues to happen to this day, yeah, um, in different areas of Canada. Ozzy. Ozzy's having a moment, guys. He's, he's, he's also He's also <laughs> mad that anybody feels like anybody has to look into this in the first place because it's such a big fucking problem. Yeah, yeah. it is. Good for you. Good for you, Oz. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and... You know what, actually, I'm going to, even before we talk a little bit about like the rest of it as well, Truth and Reconciliation, I'm going to, um, I'll try to link a couple of resources to some of these campaigns in the show notes too, if you guys ever want to go read a little bit more about it, um, to learn more if you don't have that much knowledge about it right now, totally understandable. So if you want to go read more about it or if you'd like to donate or contribute maybe to some of these campaigns, that would be a really nice thing to do. So I'll try to add a couple of links in the show notes as well for everybody. Yeah. Um, And we can add some more about uh, June, which is um, Indigenous History Month. Yes. Um, And uh, in September, September 30th is the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation here in Canada. Um, I've heard from, you know, a few indigenous people that the sentiment is that there can be no reconciliation without truth mm-hmm. and truth comes with knowledge and education. And so the books that we're going to talk about today, um, are a really great way of starting that learning journey, yeah. a personal learning journey into 
what it means to be Canadian and to acknowledge that we have a pretty gross history around Indigenous Oh, yeah. Folks. And um, unfortunately, it feels as though in these last, like, three or four years, there's just the time that we're really starting to kind of, mm-hmm. like... Acknowledge it. Kind of crack that egg open. Yeah. And boy, is, the is like, is it running everywhere? The egg is just, like, spilled all over the place. Oh, yeah. And, and the more there's you no way to put looking, it back in the fucking shell no. now. It's broken, so you may as well just do everything that you can now to clean up the mess and do it right yeah so this is what i encourage everybody on the on like listening yeah don't just leave it on the counter like don't leave wipe, it on the wipe counter. up the spill and acknowledge that yeah. you f- you broke the fucking egg you exactly. did exactly and let's all be better let's all be more knowledgeable and know how to move forward on this yeah shireen's much better at this because i just came up with a weird egg analogy but you know what i mean <laughs> but i like your egg analogy <laughs> i'm just it's saying good. like i'm gonna start using that like don't walk away you know what i mean like don't leave the egg like don't leave the egg running all over the counter and then blame the fucking dog for it yeah. like no just like go get a paper towel and do what Wipe you can to pick it up yep. properly and clean up exactly. the mess that you made and acknowledge that you made that fucking mess yeah. to begin with yep. so we all did and even if you didn't the people before you did so yeah. don't come at me with any of that holy <laughs> i didn't do anything i didn't do anything well obviously not okay <laughs> we're You're, all guilty yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> it so you know what we're at we're at very at the very least guilty of not being aware exactly of things that's exactly. usually like what most of us are guilty of i would say is not being aware yep. of these problems so it's a good time to do that so yes i'll definitely leave some links as much as possible anyway mm-hmm. in the show notes yep. um before we get into our list really quickly, Shireen, what's what's on your nightstand right now? Um, well, um, I, because our next month is fantasy, mm-hmm. YA fantasy month. So I got... Everybody get really excited. Get real excited. <laughs> uh, I got kickstarted on some, I don't even think it's YA. I think it might have started off as YA, but it is certainly not YA. Um, okay. The uh, series A Court of Thorns and Roses mm-hmm. by uh, Sarah Moss. I don't even know if you have to like introduce it. I'm pretty sure most people, um, even if yeah. they haven't read it, they've like heard of it, pretty you know? Much. Um, it's, you know, fantasy, I would say high fantasy, sure. no fae, uh, all that. Uh, very smutty. It's good. <laughs> um, it's good. Well, okay. So, so background. Shireen had COVID a couple of weeks ago for the first time yeah. in like three, like the three years yeah. that this has been a thing, and so she had to barricade herself at home and not really go anywhere <laughs> or do anything for like a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it gave you all this time. A lot of time. All I'm getting are things where she's just there and she's like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm all the way through the first book." Yeah. And I think she told me. I think she described it as spicy like seven different <laughs> times because it is like you're just like reading it and you're just like oh dear it's a good thing this isn't loud because somebody would be walking in here thinking I'm doing all sorts yeah of that's it's good thing this isn't like an audio book <laughs> yeah. that I'm listening to my mom comes in and I'm like it's not porn I swear yeah, I swear kind of is the book form but um that's no okay. very good uh I've realized that there's a huge following obviously oh my god of all things Sarah Moss Sarah yeah. J Moss so she also wrote um the Thro- throne, throne of glass, of glass right, yeah. um series which I had read actually a few years ago okay and I quite liked it it was like you know spicy in its own way but there was a lot more world building whereas this one is like let's just fucking get right into it you okay. know and I was like all right like I'm here for I'm it. fine with that yeah so, that's it um yeah but yeah no these books have absolutely exploded I am I don't I need to look into whether or not anybody's actually picked them up to like turn them into a tv series because they like, have Hulu bought the rights to oh, them did they yeah. okay yeah. so they'll get around to it eventually because I just feel like it has such a massive following mm-hmm. you know that you could you could do oh, it yeah you can make a ton of money on this oh, for sure like, this is like gonna be like the new twilight like but kind of kind of kind of yeah I think it will too like in in the sense of 
its followers probably yeah, yeah. like not like the content no, itself no. of the in, stories in terms of followers yeah like, the amount of memes and stuff and groups and and people who merchandise are just merchandise yeah like, you know Sarah Moss has really established herself as like a titan of like fantasy yeah. at this point like I think she's like one of these like modern fantasy like, modern fantasy masters yeah. kind of just because of how much of a following she's built up it's pretty wild it between is pretty wild a court of thorn and roses and throne of glass both of which are like quite popular yeah, and she's also got her are they called crescent city um oh yeah the other series that she's got side note i have like spooky like library shelves because i was sure that i had a court of thorn and roses thorns of roses Physical copy. Can't find it. I don't know. It's disappeared. Your fucking books just... Vent- <laughs> we had this conversation about Twilight, Twilight, like, not long ago. This one disappeared. I had to read it. I had to get it on my Kindle, read that, and then, like, you know, my husband kindly went out and bought me the physical copies of all the other ones because I didn't have it. Yeah. And then I go to put them on my bookshelf because I'd finished reading them, and I look, and I've got both the Crescent City books, which I d- have no recollection of buying, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm just confused. You're like, I'm fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. Um, yeah. Anywho, well. anywho, <laughs> um, yes, Megan, what's on your nightstand? Um, okay, I, so I feel like, and I told you this, but I feel like I'm I'm over my hump of like that January February period, like January February into March period, where I just I'm just annoyed because of how wintry it is, and mm-hmm. I just can't bring myself to read very much. I think I've like kind of made it over that hurdle so I've actually been reading for yeah. the last like few weeks without too much of an issue um so I'm in the so I just finished Legends and Lattes which like yes I know I just got around to reading it now it's so fucking cute it's you so it cute I brought I it for Shereen because it. it's so cute it's just like a warm hug <laughs> of a book like it's you know it's like based on D&D it's high fantasy but there's like no stakes to it at all it's just cute it's just adorable. It's got it. a little love story, but like it's just a little cutesy thing. And it's I I loved it. It was just adorable and I got through it in like a day. It's cute. Um and right now <laughs> I'm in the middle of Crave by Tracy <laughs> Wolf. <laughs> you haven't finished that yet? No, I'm not done. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to get through the rest of it. Um if you guys haven't just I need you guys to like look up the cover if you haven't, because if you just from reading the description of the book, if you didn't already think that this was like heavily inspired by Twilight look at the cover art for the book and you will be like oh wow like it could fit right into that fucking universe without an issue so um yeah uh young girl very unremarkable etc etc meek boring gets loses both her parents gets sent to live with her um uncle in Alaska because he runs some sort of very fancy fancy boarding school up in the mountains in Alaska um, there are hot people everywhere because I'm sure all the sexiest <laughs> people live in Alaska. There are super hot guys all over the place. One of them, all of them seem to be obsessed with her. You know, I've like, and nobody, everybody is like keeping secrets and no one tells you what's going on. I'm like almost halfway through the book and no one has given any indication to her. And it's one of those things where when I read these sorts of things like in Twilight, I was like, oh my God, so mysterious when I was like 15. And now I'm just fucking annoyed. Like, because she's just walking around. She's like, why won't anyone tell me what's happening? And I'm like, seriously, bitch. Like, why won't anyone tell you what's happening? I can have no time for this anymore. Oh man, it's terrible. Um, and I'm probably going to read all of them is all I can say. <laughs> we have a really, we're, we're completionists. Um, and we <sighs> put ourselves through the ringer because of it. Um, but one thing I will say to segue from, you know, Twilight into our, uh, conversation. Yeah. 
because I read this. Speaking of First yesterday. Nations people. <laughs> exactly. Because I read this yesterday um, as a reminder. So Twilight is uh, being made into a TV series. Oh my series, God. Yeah. Have you guys which, seen this? Just like blow my fucking mind. Like, you know, like as if we didn't have enough with mm-hmm. the OG version. They're making a TV series, which I will, of course, watch. Obviously. Um, however, um, shout out to the Twilight Ship Posting Group on Facebook, um, fellow ratties. You're really you're showing. There, you're really showing your age right now. <laughs> if uh, if you're listening, um, the admin made a very interesting post yesterday, which I can absolutely get behind. So there is, um, you know, a whole following out there of people who you know love Twilight and obviously. they post shitty memes about it. But this group um, does annual, like, um, they... It'll come to you. Fond. Oh, a fundraisers. Fundraisers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they do annual fundraisers uh, for the indigenous peoples who were represented in Twilight. Because... Yeah. Um, so Stephanie Meyer never uh, acknowledged or, you know, spoke to the these peoples before she included their um oh their histories their history, and their legends their and whatnot legends in the okay yes, in yes, yes, her yes, yes. twilight oh no universe. i'm sure she did zero research she did i i don't know if she did research or not um and from what i've read you know some of the people who live you know on the reservation that's depicted in twilight yes they're both you know happy and then there's those who are angry because okay. you know it's not a hive mind so everybody has their own of course thoughts on this but what did happen was after twilight a whole bunch of tourists started going to Fort. Washington and that whole area they went onto the indigenous land without being invited um you know they and they started just kind of like swarming you know the land and so eventually like the reservation they had to you know put barriers up and say like no like we're not allowing just anybody to walk onto our land like this is our home you know like it's like walking into somebody's house and being like oh this was in a movie um and so what what the sentiment is now is that until there's some sort of reconciliation done towards these indigenous peoples that were included in twilight, we should not be celebrating the fact that there is a TV show coming out unless they're guaranteeing that they're going to make some sort of a step towards reconciliation for the wrong. And perhaps, yeah, correct representation of these peoples as well. You know, I don't blame, I don't blame the, like, like people like Taylor Lautner for things like this. He's not a casting director. So, and you're just trying to, you're trying to be an actor. You're trying to make money. It makes total sense. But like, why was the lead of them the only one who like wasn't First Nations in those films? I know. But Why? I, I think that they swapped them out. I think in the first movie there was a lot of... A lot of them were. No, um, no a lot of them were even in the later ones too. They? Like what's his name? Um, like Seth and Seth, Sam, uh, Sam, I think. Um, yeah. What's her and name? And a couple of the other ones too. Uh, Leah. Yes. Um, Billy. Billy. Um, the, uh, what's, what's his, his name? name? The very, there's like a very hot headed one whose name I can't remember. Paul, uh, is Paul, it? Jared. Yeah. I don't know what Jared was, but. I don't know. Um, but a lot of them, I did look into it a little bit and a lot of Harry, them were. Harry Clearwater also oh, yes. is indigenous. The, the actor who plays him. Um, yeah, but he's yeah. in a ton of shit. He's in a lot of stuff. So is Billy though. Yes. Um, you know, and I think this kind of goes back to like that sentiment that they have in Hollywood, you know, where it's like, okay, great. Like we're starting to get more Asian representation representation more indigenous but 
it's all the same for people. Like, yeah, it's like the same, you know? like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. They're like, no, we can't be bothered to expand yeah. our, like, our sort of breadth of, like, you know, like, here are, like, the 10 people whose headshots we've got. Okay, let's just pick let's one just out of a hat. Let's them. Um, yeah. So. And let's just roll with that. So I do think that there are, like, small strides that are being made in certain things. Like, if you guys have seen the latest Predator movie, Their Prey, that came out last last year. Yeah. Um, it's like a like a prequel mm. because it's a predator that comes to earth in like way way back like mm. at the beginning without all the technology like as much technology etc cetera, etc cetera, at a time where and is on Comanche land um and all of the actors who played the Comanche people were indigenous obviously mm. they were all first nations people mm. um and apparently, there, well, first of all, there's a Comanche dubbing that mm. exists for the film, which is fucking cool. Oh, yeah. Yes, because cool. it, it helps keep the language going a little bit as well. And initially, um, the director, Dan Trachtenberg, I think, who isn't uh, First Nations, he actually wanted the whole film to be in Comanche oh, wow. to begin with. Good for Which him. I thought was pretty chill. But anyway, but um, and there's really, like that film, like it seems stupid, but it's nice to have the representation that exists mm. in like a blockbuster style film. Yeah. It's too bad because I think it was released directly to like Hulu and that would have been a cool movie to see in theaters. There's a lot of good action shit in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like they, you know, so they had like some of their actors and stuff like that. Like the lead, um, she's a First Nations woman. Her name's Amber Midthunder, which is also the coolest fucking name I've ever heard. Oh, there are some cool ones. I know. <laughs> um, you know, so like it's yeah. like there are there are productions that are beginning to do this in a way that makes sense. It's set at that time. So mm-hmm. obviously those are the people yeah. who would be there. Yeah, totally. Filmed way, way up in Alberta. Because of course awesome. everything's pretty there. <laughs> no, exactly. So um yeah, so let's get into our discussion. Right. So um yeah, we're going through a list of five books, yeah. right? So the first book on our list is Five Little Indians by Michelle Good. Uh, I'm going to let Shireen take this one a little bit because she's <laughs> I haven't read it. Yeah. She has, so she'll have like a much better grasp on this than I will. So um, Five Little Indians by Michelle Good. Um, I had the uh, opportunity to hear Michelle talk about it um, and also read an excerpt from the book. Um, and as the author, she was unable to get through the excerpt without shedding a few tears. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and you know, it was the first time I had heard any of it. Um, and it was, it was really tough. Uh, and so then I went and I read the book. So it was published in 2020. Um, and Michelle Good made a point of explaining that the five individuals depicted in the story are fictional characters. However, their stories are derived from real stories that she was aware of, she'd heard. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what it is, is it's the story of five, as she calls them, five little Indians. So five little indigenous children um, who uh, were taken from their families and put in residential schools. And so for those of you who are not familiar, uh, yeah. the residential school system, we should not even call them schools. They were camps. They were camps. It was, it's, mm, I don't want to say what it's like, but it's yeah. like, I think of camp in a negative way and you'll probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they were, um, I guess. For kids though. Re-education camps. Yeah. Um, the intent was to, uh, what was the sentiment uh take the 
the Indian out of the child yeah. is what they wanted to yeah, do. It was, um, yeah, it was very much to, it was to westernize them, basically, to make them into, like, more, like, actual North American peoples for whatever reason they decided so these children were yanked from their, um, their homes families. and their families and they were placed in these quote-unquote schools. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think that this sounds horrible, um, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think that this happened many, many years ago, uh, the last residential school closed in the uh, mid 90s. So um, this is a very current, like recent history that we should acknowledge. Um, they've, they found uh, thousands of unmarked graves uh, in, I think it was 2020, was it? Well, it um, I believe that was kind of the beginning of, of a truth lot and of reconciliation yeah. and all this um and so yes yeah, so there's a very bloody history around the residential schools but what michelle good did was what michelle good did was demonstrate what that life was like yes. for these children from yeah. their points of view and so it follows five of them um and it, it really digs deep into your soul um you know one of them he gets taken from his home and he keeps escaping and going back home um and you'd think like oh well you know he escapes but the the families and the parents were so afraid of you know the government and what Mm -hmm. they would do so they either they have to bring the children back or you know there's no way of hiding them because they're afraid that they're going to come back and take them um one of the little boys um he finally escapes and he he stays escaped i'm using like air quotes here um and he's been gone for a fair few amount of years and when he left you know he had this image of his his home and his mom where they would fish and they would hunt together and she would dry the fish and dry you know the the meat and the pelts and you know she was always doing that kind of thing and when he goes back when he finally gets away he goes back and he finds his mom and Mm -hmm. at this point she's uh turned she she's now an alcoholic um because another part of our gruesome history towards um indigenous peoples is that uh the government you know kind of supplied them with uh So, uh, he, you know, so another part is that the government, uh, you know, supplied a lot of, uh, alcohol, tobacco, um, to indigenous peoples. Anyways, I'm, I'm not going to get into that, but no, well, the, um, I mean, also like read it, like we don't yeah, have to like, give you the whole synopsis. Like, we don't have to give you everything, but like, you know, just to give you an excerpt, like, you know, he goes and he finds his mom and she's an alcoholic at this point and she's just not the same person. Yeah. And what Michelle Good is trying to demonstrate is that, you know, this boy was his mother's entire life mm-hmm. and purpose of living. Yeah. Um, and they took him away and, and she had was, nothing yeah, left. Yeah, once he's gone, and she, well, what else do I, yeah. I don't have anything to live for. And so. it's not an automatic like, oh, well, he's back now, so I can no. snap out of it and, and go back, you know? Not addiction um, is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that a lot of people who've, you know, dealt with anything like this or have family members or friends who have understand that it's not a process where you can mm-hmm. turn it on and off whenever you feel like it absolutely um you know and the excerpt that michelle good read um you know it was about one of the other characters she is finally allowed to go back home 
And when she gets home, you know, her parents are still loving and they were waiting for her. But she is changed. She's been through so much trauma that she can no longer be loved. She doesn't know how to be loved anymore. No, because they were treated just atrociously at these places. And so she has to leave her parents and go on her her own way. And so it's a very sad novel, but I think everybody should read it. Um, It's beautifully written. Um, It's hard to read, but it really deserves... um, yeah, that, that amount of attention, you know. Yeah. Um, okay, so book two, uh, I guess to <laughs> for a little bit more fun for the second one, kind of on our list. Um, the second book that we wanted to talk about was uh, "Green Grass, Running Water" by Thomas King. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a novel that takes a lot more, which is really really interesting. If that's something that you're interested in, if it takes a lot more of the folklore and legends. Um, from First Nations and really uses those in a like a fictionalized sort of story um, and puts like a really interesting and fun twist on the history of these peoples and told from the perspective you know of characters who may or may not be deities of some sort we're not 100 (laughs) percent sure you're you're really not sure and the whole time you're reading it you're you just don't really know but like you just kind of gotta go with it it's very tongue-in-cheek like the way like the style and the prose um the way that like thomas king's written it is very very like that it's very kind of like we're poking fun at like the white people Mm -hmm. you know and sort of everything like that and at the government Mm -hmm. um and stuff but they they do it in a very lighthearted sort of way, yeah. um, and it's just I mean like whatever I always I find folklore from pretty much every culture fascinating yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Um, and First Nations people have like such an interestingly rich history of the way that they pass down moments in time to younger generations. Mm. It's yeah. fascinating to read about, and just like a lot of like the legends and things that exist, and even you know when we were kind of like getting back into talking about the book and stuff like just how um so many of the so many of the legends that they speak about really have to do with things that occur in nature like natural disasters you know a lot of those when the stories were passed down to people would be linked to you know to a trickster doing this or because of like this particular um deity singing or whatever like this particular god was singing too loud and then it caused this earthquake to happen yeah and it's really it's just really cool it's really interesting to to kind of like get into that from like and it's a cool way to learn about some of the history of it yep while also you know I like gaining knowledge about like people and gaining knowledge about their stories and their backgrounds. I agree. Um, and the title of the novel green grass running water is said to be in reference to the Canadian government promising the indigenous people rights to their land as long as the grass is green and the water runs. runs. So it's again, Thomas King poking, poking fun and poking yeah. at them to be like, ha ha, you guys are fucking liars. <laughs> <You> suck. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's true. Exactly. <laughs> we know this. Yep. Uh, so book number three, uh, is called seven fallen feathers. The full title is actually seven fallen feathers, racism, death, and hard truths in a Northern city by Tanya Talaga. I'm, I feel like I'm gonna butcher people's names. I'm really sorry. Um, this, but I believe that this is like a nonfiction, right? This is all... It's kind of... It's interesting because it's written... I have read this. It's written in kind of a... So Tanya 
Talaga, Talaga. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is, um, so she's a, a journalist. Yeah, okay. The, the book starts with um, her going to speak to, I believe he's the kind of like the, the chief of all nations. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have like a, a, you know, their own kind of, a, I don't want to say the word government, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, in Thunder Bay, Ontario. And so she goes to speak to him. And she's asking him about uh, the Harper government, mm-hmm. you know, like, or how are you feeling about Harper and yada, yada. Yeah. And Stephen he, Harper, just F, as an FYI, was a previous prime minister that we had before Justin Trudeau, who's yeah. currently the prime minister. The prime minister. Yeah. And, and uh, the, this gentleman, all he keeps, he will not answer any of her questions. Okay. All he keeps saying is, why have you not looked in, looked into the seven fallen feathers, se- right? Seven, uh, teenagers who were murdered. Yeah. Why are you not looking into it? And so she does. She starts diving into it, and then it kind of switches, and it gives starts telling the story from the point of view of one of the boys, um, and it explains that many indigenous teenagers in Canada, when they live in very remote locations, um, yeah. to have access to you know further education or opportunities. Like in this case, this this one character, he had a lot of potential to become a, a famous hockey player. Jordan Wabas. That's right. Um, and uh, he had to leave his family, which many of them have to do, yes. and go to Thunder Bay. Because they live further up north, and so, and because north of Thunder Bay, there are like quite a few... Um, different reservations Mm -hmm. and a lot of the kids if they want any form of education do need to go to Thunder Bay and unfortunately Thunder Bay has a really really shady history with Mm. First Nations people Mm -hmm. Um, you know because obviously this is you know mostly looking into these seven young men who were killed I think there was a girl who in the Thunder were there yeah it's possible who were killed in the Thunder Bay area yeah Um, I recently all of this is making me think of this, and I haven't read this particular book, but now I feel like I should. All of this is making me think of a podcast turned into docu-series that I watched recently about Thunder Bay, specifically from, I think it's Ryan McMahon, um, who had who has like done like a web podcast about this, but then also like sort of went into uh, a docu-series. I think it's a three or four-part docu-series in which he, you know, he's f- like from the Thunder Bay area. He returned there um, and is looking into these reasons why a lot of these young people have been killed, are being killed, continue to disappear and Mm. sort of like what the issue is with the Thunder Bay area and what it is Mm. that causes such um, tension between Mm. like the white people and the first nations Mm. people in these areas and why it's still being allowed to happen. Why these cases aren't being Investigated. investigated why yeah. no one is really taking them seriously and they're sort of being just like buried mm-hmm. uh pretty much without any real inquest yeah. um being completed it's a it was it was a good docuseries it's you know it's upsetting but you do get a lot of it was interesting to you know hear from a lot of that's it like the first nations people who did exactly that moved from a reservation into the city and have experienced just hate and violence and yeah. all kinds of just like atrocious things yeah um and he does speak about he does look into a lot of that's it like these specific cases of these kids who were killed for no reason basically but then whose cases were treated as though they weren't murdered it's really weird and that's kind of what this is about you know so this is a really good one if you want that kind of insight into from like an investigative journalist basically yeah and like the 
continuous ugly history you know like it's yeah it's ongoing you know i meant i mentioned earlier the the missing and murdered indigenous women girls and two-spirited people this is like a very big problem that we have um is you know if if an indigenous person gets murdered why is there no investigation yeah. that goes into it you know if someone goes missing why are you not investigating it what's happening and this novel uh really you know kind of explores that yeah as well. so this is a great one and yeah if you want to either watch the thunder bay docuseries or listen to the i think it's a canada land podcast series that was done back in like 2018 or 19 yeah. about it those are always that'll give you probably just a ton of information about this area and unfortunately kind of everything that happens with it um so that's you know that's an important one I think for educational purposes and for kind of understanding yeah what all of this is and those three were that we just mentioned those are like adult novels yes much more now we've got a couple of recommendations for the youngins yeah yeah (laughs) because everybody needs to be getting into this for sure yeah so you know so if people want to look at something like to sort of get their children into learning about indigenous cultures and Mm -hmm. traditions and history uh, history, hardships any of it really Mm -hmm. um, positive negative whatever it is Um, so the next book on our list is called fatty legs um, and it's written by Christy Jordan Fenton, Margaret Pokiak Fenton, and Liz Amini Holmes, who illustrated it because it is like a like graphic novel, mm-hmm. middle grade style graphic novel, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also, this is based on a true story. So Margaret Pokiak Fenton, she is... Um, and uh, Enoch, woman who, as a young girl, was sent to a residential school from up north. Um, you know, she had no choice really to, to but to go to one because nobody was really given an option at a time and at, at that time. And so, you know, she goes through, she experiences all kinds of different things with like a really, like really terrible teachers who treat them, you know, horribly. Um, but she's very strong willed and she pushes back against a lot of it. And one of the, the big thing about it is that they order all of these ugly gray stockings that the girls have to wear, except Margaret, who they give a pair of bright red stockings to. And so everybody makes fun of her and she decides to get rid of them completely. And then, you know, it's sort of like everything that she dealt with while she was there, where she kind of mostly refused to conform to what was Mm. expected of her and kind of her experience in that school mm-hmm. um it's probably gonna be like an upsetting one to a certain extent but it is like a middle grade level book so I don't think that it's gonna be something that like people can't handle when they're younger it's still a good thing to like show your kids that yeah. not everything is sunshine and roses I all the it's time to be quite inspiring too yeah a lot um, of people are very very like happy to be able to have read it and a lot of people are like you know I'm, I wish that this had existed when I was younger basically Mm. Uh, and the final one we have is a children's book yeah it's called what's my superpower (laughs) uh by aviac johnston i'm so sorry this is terrible i'm not gonna be able to pronounce anybody's name properly no there's really no excuse no i know um (laughs) (laughs) which and it's illustrated by tim mack um 
this follows a young character. It's like, it's a full picture book. This one's really for like probably grade school Mm. level, I would think. Um, A character named Nelvana, uh, who's upset because she feels like all of her friends have these really fun powers um, and they can like, you know, some of them are really strong or they can run really fast or they can do something really cool. And so she's like, well, I feel like everybody has superpowers and I don't have any superpowers. Like, what are they? You know, what's my superpower? Um, so she has to, you know, go through finding out what makes her special and her mom helps her and stuff. And she's like up North, I think in the Northwest territories possibly or in Inuvut. Anyway, she's a young Inuk girl who kind of just like, but it's like, I think it's a really cute introduction for Mm. kids because like all the illustrations, everything, it's very set up in those areas. Mm -hmm. And so it gives kids the opportunity to kind of like get a feel for what the landscape is like there and sort of like what the day-to-day looks like for Mm -hmm. a lot of kids as well. Um, So I think that's like, that's probably the most lighthearted one on the list, but it's, it's nice because it, you know, it gives kids like a little introduction to like like Inuit people. You know, like you said, like, you know, it's also really fun to read stories that are, you know, explaining kind of the culture and learn more of that side of things like it's it's not all doom and gloom no it's not like that's out there it's not like everybody's Um, always negative all the time and everything's always awful every day all the time and I think that I think that most people understand that but I do think that it's difficult um for a lot of people to realize that simply because the media puts forth that everything's very negative Mm. all the time and that there's no positive ever at all Mm. so I think that you know I, I so I think that these kinds of books are great as well because it shows it gives um, you know, authors, illustrators, whoever, an opportunity to point out that like, hey, we have this lovely landscape and this wonderful rich history. Mm. And it's nice to be able to, for people to be educated by that without seeing just like the terribleness yeah. of all of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so we'll put resources out yeah, there. We'll put some resources um, in the show. Not some lists. I mean, actually, the government of Canada has a reading list. Oh, my God. I think it might be a little outdated because I think that they, yeah, they they published it in 2020. So I think that there's a lot more. Oh, there's probably a lot more coming out now. And there always is, which is great. So that's always something that's good to keep up with as well as just new stories that are being published on a regular basis, too. You know, there are tons of places like we're we're like as we're talking about this I'm realizing oh yeah like you know I've listened to that podcast Mm. I have watched that documentary there are tons of places where you can you can find resources and you can find information you know if you're like not sure of where to start Mm -hmm. you can start here of course but there are tons of places that you can go and start to read about some of the history and then find that's it sort of what kinds of stories you'd like to start with as well any bit of education is is good. good step. I think. You know? Yeah, I think in any for anybody anywhere, any kind of education, like knowledge is good. Knowledge yeah. is good to have. So, yep, exactly. So, we want to hear from you. Yeah. Have you guys actually? Have you guys read any of these books? Because that's always cool to hear from mm. people who have. So, have you guys read any of these books, or do you have any other recommendations mm. of you know like First Nations um, or Indigenous, I should say, Canadian? books that you think should be on the list that you think everybody should pick up and should read um 
You can let us know about that over on Instagram at fullybookedca, or you can check out our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash book was way better. And I hope that you're still here with us and that you've really enjoyed Canadian Literature Month as a whole. And also, you know, this episode really talking, we're delving into like more sociopolitical issues to an extent mm-hmm. um, and human rights issues. But I hope that you're still here and that you've kind of enjoyed a little bit of what we've done. If you have, um, you can feel free to really leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to the episode because it really just helps us get the show out in front of more people but until next week guys keep on reading thanks everyone